This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend, Matt Manning, and he talks to me about his love of and interest in cosmology. Uh, the study of the creation of the universe. There could not be a bigger question as far as we are concerned. So it's a really interesting conversation. Don't necessarily get into the big nitty gritties of what the Big Bang looked like and such, but more what this question looks like in our day-to-day lives, how it influences how we answer smaller questions. Why are we here? Where do we go after this? what is our purpose, why even keep going, etc. Matt thinks about these a lot as he's kind of called to for his profession as a psychiatric nurse. So in addition to being an improviser and a writer, he is faced with trying to answer questions from his patients all the time. And all of the above is informed by his ability to kind of zoom out and look at what the big picture is and ask big questions of himself and of the universe. So it's a pretty hefty conversation, but I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I think you will as well. We talk about it a bit during the show, but Matt conceived of a show that we were involved in earlier this year called Sad Clown. It was an improv show based around monologues that people gave or essays that they read, rather, about their own experiences with mental illness and what, how they've kind of navigated that and what kinds of things they find themselves asking along the way. So all of it dovetails together pretty nicely, if you ask me. Sad Clown is officially on hiatus for now, but we're both hoping that the show will come back if in the new year, if not before. So keep an eye out for that and any other endeavors that Matt undertakes because he's a great creative person. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to see an improv show, you can come to the Fishbowl at the Annoyance Theater Thursday nights at 930. I believe Matt's going to join us for the last Thursday of the month. So mark your calendar if you'd like to see him playing with some students and other veterans of the Annoyance Theater before my team, Sight Unseen, closes out the night. It's a good show, I guarantee it. And last but certainly not least, please check out the other shows in the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like this show, I think you should also check out Blurry Photos. It's a show that attempts to dissect urban legends and other idiosyncrasies about the world. And I think it dovetails nicely with this conversation. So that's another way that you can fill your ear holes with entertainment as you move throughout your day-to-day lives. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this conversation with Matt. I just really like the option when GarageBand comes up where it's like, what would you like to do? And then it has like record a song and it just shows a microphone and I think of myself like, <laughs> ah, maybe I'll record a song and like to think of myself sitting alone like in my kitchen, like just singing so gently into <laughs> <laughs> my Mac uh-huh. and like someone walks in and they're like, what are you doing? 
I'm like, I don't know. The option was there. And I just, <laughs> I've always had a song in me. <laughs> I've always had this song inside me. And That's really beautiful. It came out and I found out it's a really bad song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, gra- in a lot of ways, GarageBand is an enabler. Yeah, yeah, it is totally. It's like a bad relationship. <laughs> Never updates itself. Of artists <laughs> uh, trying to find that song that's in them. I do tell people a lot, though, that people ask me, like, how do you get started? Like, well, I had this idea to do this, and or what did you use? And I'm just like, fucking stop asking me questions and just make a thing. That's how I got started. Like, yeah. it's just like, it sounds so obvious, and yeah. I'm guilty of it all the time. Yeah. But... St- stop asking people stuff and just like put make a thing. Right. Yeah. We were uh, Claire and I were having this conversation with Mike Faulkner, who is like uh, this brilliant uh, documentarian that was a friend of ours in Baltimore. He makes these great documentaries. He did like um, one where he brought a rapper from Baltimore to Nepal uh, to like uh, uh, work together with these like Tuvalu throat singers. Uh, it was like just this incredible dude and. Um, we're, we called him, we put him on speakerphone one day and, and we're just like, you know, what, what kind of camera should we get? This is like the amount of money we have. And uh-huh. we really feel like, you know, we want to like spend, spend we want to get a good camera, but you know, yeah. and, uh, he's like, well, like you guys have had cameras on your phones forever, <laughs> yeah. but you just haven't done anything. Like, why yes. don't you just make something uh, and yeah, then upgrade bless as it goes? Yeah. So yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, the guy who made. Did you hear about the movie Tangerine? Hell yeah, I just saw Florida Project. Oh really? I've yeah, heard it was it's great. So good. I love Tangerine. Yeah. So I was gonna check out Florida Project. It's really good. He made a whole fucking movie, like a great movie. Yeah. That like critics loved. Yeah. On iPhone. On an iPhone. And it looks amazing. It looks amazing. So. And there's some of that in Florida Project too. That's awesome. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Truly, it, especially when you're starting. Nothing that you're doing is going to be like the finished thing. Nothing you're doing is going to be the be all end all. So yeah. who cares what it looks like or sounds like at first? I think it's because I think we spend a lot of time like making music videos in our head. I don't know. At least yeah. I do. And so there's like this stylized thing that can make anything look very dramatic. Like, um, you know, like Enrique Iglesias will like put his arms out and turn and it's like a big, <laughs> it's, it's a big, meaningful, dramatic moment in a music video. And if you do that on your iPhone, you're just sort of rotating with your arms <laughs> stretched out. And so you're like, oh, well, that didn't like have the force or like gravitas of Enrique. And so if only I had that. But then you realize you buy a $2,000 camera and you shoot that. And then it's like, oh, well, you also need like a $3,000 application on your computer and your computer can't run that so you need like a four thousand dollar computer and soon you're just like uh also lighting kids (laughs) like (laughs) yeah exactly backdrops makeup Uh, makeup yeah (laughs) sandwiches for the crew (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and then you're just like you're 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 in debtor's prison or something. Yeah, and you know you can never make Enrique. (laughs) It's like, what did you want all this for? It's like, I had this cool idea for a 30-second video. (laughs) We're like, it's he's a tumbleweed, but a human. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, it just doesn't work out visually. But uh, anyways, I lost my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just, uh, I think you just spoke to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think a lot of people are like, like in the checkout line right now, just like dropping their, <laughs> their boom mic. And Fuck everyone this. at Best Buy is mad at you. Yeah. It's like the only way they're staying open is fools. Yeah, totally. totally. Instead, and people, people are... who still buy DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Guitar Hero. Yeah. The guy playing Guitar Hero comes in. I'm still deciding if I want to buy it. <laughs> Oh man! And for some reason, washer dryers. I sure. Don't know. Yeah. Whole <laughs> home appliance. Uh, my guest today is Matt Manning, and I'm gonna talk to him about his love of interest in knowledge of cosmology. Yeah. So, um, I I think this is really funny, actually, that I chose this because. Uh, <laughs> It's like the biggest question yeah, possible. Absolutely. Um and and I think like I I wanted to you know I have like a couple areas where I feel like a competent speaker mm-hmm. and I and, and like I can like pull these things out like should I should I need a presentation or a story for like a a moth type thing. Sure. And then I was like, well, here's this thing that I'm really uh uh, fascinated by, um, and I think if I were to rate my level of knowledge on it, it would be like I'm I, I'm like the most interesting stoned person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, all right. Like I'm saying shit that people are like, what? Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, and I'm I'm pretty happy with my competence there. But I, I thought it was like a good mental exercise to sort of see if we could stretch out an hour and a half talking about this. Uh-huh. There used to be this show when I lived in Baltimore called uh, Expert of Nothing. Okay. It was super funny. You would go up and you would get a topic and you would have to talk on it for 10 minutes like or two minutes probably to start. And it, it, whether you knew about it or not, you were an expert. Uh-huh. And then like in the second round, they they were like – so if the first round was like katana blades, the second round would be like – um uh, Etruscan architecture or something, and then you'd have to talk about the relation between those <laughs> oh two things. Oh, my God. And then the third round was like a panel. And I always thought it would be really interesting to do a show to assign a topic to somebody and then, like, have them exhaust their knowledge of it. Oh, cool. Um, and, and like, you know, because you could say, like, what do you know about butterflies? And you can list off, like, three things. But if you force someone to, like, sit – in a cube. For, yeah, X amount of time. <laughs> yeah, and then they would start and be like, anything you know about it, you'd be like, I know that my grandmother had a garden and she liked the butterflies. Yeah, my brain you know. went, I know in third grade, we raised caterpillars through to being butterflies. Right. I remember it very distinctively. Exactly. <laughs> I think you just know more than you think you know. Uh-huh. So I, I kind of wanted to do like a little bit of a knowledge dump, but more than that to talk about um, – how my YouTube level fascination with cosmology has sort of reared its head in my life at different times. I love this. Where did all of that start? What would you say is the origin of your interest in the origin of the universe? So I had, when I was a little kid, I had this extreme anxiety. And 
Um, I would think about it to the point that I would have uh, uh, nightmares about it. And it was that I was raised Catholic and it was the idea of like my mom in a reassuring way. Like when I first like encountered mortality and what that meant, you know, I think it's around like four or five that kids realize like, oh, you die. This isn't forever. Yeah. And my mom would reassure me by being like, well, no, it's like if you're good, you go to heaven. And then I'm like, well, how long am I there? And she's like, forever. And um, I, I just thought like uh, this is terrifying to me because the only thing I'm able to think about, you know, for that is just like at first it's really fun. And then I have to sit around like not for a million years, not for a billion years, but forever. And I would ask. And to a four or five year old, that right. is unfathomable. It's unfathomable. Yeah. And so I would ask my mom about this. I said, well, what do we do? And she'd be like, well, everybody, you know, gets as much banana pudding right. as they want. I'm like, yeah, but but I'm going to get sick of that in like eight days. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so now I'm done with banana pudding and then, well, everyone there that you love will be there. And, you know, this branched out in all these other questions like, okay, well, what about like Uncle Pete? He's like not a good guy. Like, so is he going to be there? Well, no, like he'll be in your heaven. I'm like, so I got to know that like Uncle Pete's in my heaven, but in his afterlife, he's in hell. And I would get nauseous about this. Man. Um, And so I started like. Uh, uh, trying to conquer this problem in my head, and I never, I never overcame it. Um, but I think like I got a little more. Uh, I got like I got older, <laughs> and I got like. And you realize that everyone just has to live with that question all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that that was like my big first metaphysical or 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 uh, uh ontological problem that i encountered which is like okay so like i exist apart from my body my body will expire and i will go somewhere after that right right so then i started thinking like you know what happens before you know before i'm born right so if i'm gonna have some experience after that there must have been some experience like i was before i was born or something like that and uh then I, I think I hit puberty. And puberty is a uh, – I, I know that I hit puberty. I'm just saying I think at that <laughs> point I <laughs> – Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, and then what, I think <laughs> what happened is my body went through the same thing everyone yeah, else's does. <laughs> I, I think that happened. Uh, it's not confirmed. No one did a test on it. Um, uh, and, that, and, and, and rather than the question, uh, you know, the, those kind of questions, it was replaced with this question of, like, how to be in the world. Mm. I mean, you know, that's – Adolescent socialization. And that's interesting. So you stopped kind of thinking about where you were going to be yeah. and what was going to happen afterwards. And it was more about how do I operate among yes. all these other people? Right. Because, that's really interesting. Because these concerns of how to be, you know, when you're a child, you have this like, as an adult, there's tons of ennui, right? We're just like <laughs> sitting there and we're just like, all right, like I have all this space. I can occupy it with stuff, but I don't know, you know, like what's, uh, but as a child, you have like all this listlessness isn't there because you are, you have infinity life ahead of you. Right. And then you get a little bit older and you realize that there are these other 
you know, organisms that you have to uh, deal with in order to like get what you want and avoid what you want. And so I started replacing this with an ethical, a lot of ethical questions. I was raised Catholic, like I said. And so uh, obviously like the interesting stuff about that is like going to hell, right? And I, start, I came up with this moral question and um, it, it's, it, I always think it's interesting like kids come up with questions that like uh, because they don't know what's like pretentious or <laughs> stupid or like um, uh, they don't know it's like um, not very cool to talk about in public. You know, you're like censored by people being like, whatever, man. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought of this question of like, uh, say I went to hell. And uh, Satan is there, and he strikes me this deal, right? He says, uh, all right, look, here's the deal. Like, you've been a good guy. You can go to heaven. But I, I made this special request to you. I got, like, in this room 100 people. Like, it's the people you love the most, right? And uh, I'm going to tell you what. Like, some of them are going to go to heaven, some of them not. But, like, you love all of them. So here's, I'm going to make an exchange for you right now. If you stay here for all eternity and suffer, I will give 100 direct passes to heaven guaranteed <laughs> for all of these people. <laughs> but you have to stay here and suffer. Yeah. And I began to think of this as like the ultimate moral question. Because it was like we, we think of sacrifice and like sacrificing yourself for others is the highest moral good. I mean, it's sure. this Western construct. But then I was like, what if there's like no chance of redemption from that? So like, is it good to be good just to be good and to sacrifice just to sacrifice? Or are we all doing it for goodies? Mm. You know, like promised goodies. Mm-hmm. 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 And so then I didn't, I didn't know. Cause then I started thinking like, well, fuck them like what i mean like some of them <laughs> they could have done it too if i could have done it they yeah. could have done it or like some of them stamped their own tickets I'm, right that's what i'm saying yeah and and so this this became really troubling to me as well because i it was the first time i encountered this question of like is oh man <laughs> talking about those lame questions is it good to be good or um is it worth it or yeah. is, it, is it uh morally is it actually morally high to uh work towards if this is the end goal right some sort of like reward in the in the afterlife right and this kind of pushed me down a road in which I was like you know encountered a lot you know it, it pushed me to study a lot of different concepts in college you know uh uh, in in terms of moral relativism and um, it's interesting it's like th th I think any kid that like goes to college and wants to be a little like brooding like that's mm -hmm. their social angle they mm -hmm. read like Nietzsche you <laughs> yeah know? sure right, right. and uh, and so then you know it's like well what is anything for <laughs> yeah <laughs> why should I do anything you just totally nihilist <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and so this interestingly though to kind of wrap this up this brought me back two questions of rather than where am I going in the future or what should I do now as I got older and increasingly in the last couple of years and 
honestly, really, really increasingly in the last couple months, mm-hmm. where did I come from or where did all of this come from? Which is a question of cosmology. Sure. So taking it back to the start. Yeah, right, like right, like <laughs> that's that's when you know you're really deep diving into yeah. all those yes. <laughs> moral and philosophical yes. questions. And I want to say I am employed uh, <laughs> because, like, I I think um, the and that makes sense. If I wasn't employed, I think I'd have a cravenness about the now. Like, uh, mm. how do I make sure that I'm getting what I need now or doing what I need to do? Or, but, but like, because I'm gainfully oh, that employed, security. yeah. Then That's I start going back and going, Oh, well, what, what, I mean, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? Right. And I think it's cause I'm 33. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's because I'm 33, and you spend a lot of your life becoming. And now, like at 33, I firmly have no right to become anymore. <laughs> I am just B. Um, like you ever notice, like in college, people could just talk about what they were gonna be, and then they like got the social acclaim of that. Like I'm gonna be a physician. Yeah, you know, for sure. That's Derek. He's gonna be a physician. Yeah, (laughs) and so like I'm gonna be a particle physicist. Like that's Derek. Now he's gonna be a particle physicist. But like, because you were in the process of being. Yeah, yeah. And now no one expected you to be anything except someone trying to be something else. Yes. Yeah. And now if I were to be like, you know, hey Matt, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to um medal. At the Olympics. <laughs> like, it's no one's going to believe it's that. It's a super good example of something that, like, everyone's right. going to be like, yeah, good one, buddy. <laughs> right. Fuck off. <laughs> like, no, like, curling. I, I think if I <laughs> practice every day, I'm going to sell everything I own. 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I got to get my 10K in. I think that's how all curlers find their like <laughs> quarter life crises. Just, I've got nothing. I've got a broom. Mm, it's cold out. <laughs> well, no one else has been working on this. So you don't see any ten year olds doing curling. <laughs> like it's the only sport where you can come in at thirty three and be a world champ. <laughs> Holy shit, that's so funny. I've always been pretty sure-footed. I think I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Keep I it. always write myself when I slip on the ice, although I hate that shock feeling that goes up my spine. <laughs> yeah. So you think because of that uh, proverbial wall being hit or crossed, as the case may be, it makes you go like, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, I just... I just I just kind of feel like I'm not going to be um this is this is the kind of statement that usually provokes social reassurance like no but like I'm 33 I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be like a Nobel Prize winner or like write the next great American novel or like um, broker a peace deal between two warring nations. And right. like and like that's okay. Like right. you know I became what I became. Um but now there's this question of like okay, suppose that I am just like one platform on like a rope bridge 
that's like slowly moving civilization and 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 existence forward. Mm-hmm. What is that? Can I be okay with that? Can I be okay with just being like um, one little drop? Yeah, a it, f- fraction of a second on the cosmic yeah. calendar. Yeah, like because a lot of people say that kind of shit to be reassuring to themselves or other people um, or maybe to like put themselves down or put someone else down. But that's what, what I am. And I mean, if you, if you telescope out, like that's what Einstein was even like (laughs) in 30,000 years, like someone will dust off like relativity and they'll have like a really good laugh about that. You know, like, Oh (laughs) general relativity. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so like, can I be okay with that? And so I think I, I go into cosmology a little bit for that to reaffirm that it's okay because on a, an, a comp- the biggest scale possible, everyone is nothing. Yeah, and which presents its own problem, obviously. But, it, okay, so I forgot, I forgot to actually say this. Um, uh, my, my first question was, the, you know, in my life about um, the living forever, mm-hmm. which troubled me. That was one of the first nauseating questions. Right. And endless then, banana pudding is born. Endless banana pudding floating through the clouds. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And then the second question was this, like, moral dilemma of is it good to be good and, and what kind of, you know, what is the purpose of, of, of living right? Sure. The third question that has, like, formed up in my brain, um, I was talking to a friend about this and I started, like, repeating the question. You know, like, when you're – when you're nearing the epicenter of this point you're trying to make, and then you keep re-saying the question with different intonation. (laughs) And and I did this with, um, uh, the question was, why is there anything? Uh, why, why, why does anything exist? Why isn't there nothing? And I looked over my friend and he was like, dude, are you okay? Like I was getting so angry about it. Um, and and that is where I'm at right now, though, which is um, uh, thinking a lot about why there is anything rather than nothing, and and being really troubled by like the first mover question. What about the study of cosmology itself dovetails into that, and like how does that? Do you think it helps you like? not think about that as much or do you think it's actually a journey for knowledge in that very basic question okay so I'm gonna make a tangential point but bring it back but make sure I bring it back like don't let me go out on this limb too far Mm -hmm. so um I uh I do a fair amount of writing and uh one of the questions that I wrote on once and I I don't want to read the whole essay right now, but it was like, why is studying philosophy important? Sure. And uh, I wrote this like very elegant essay that was about like, imagine you're standing in a building, like in order for that building to be built, you needed masons and you needed carpenters and uh, electricians. And in order for 
you know, them uh, to know what they were working on, you need an architect. And in order for that, uh, you needed somebody who understood the aesthetics of buildings. And in order for that to mean anything, you needed commerce to know that there should be buildings. And in order for that, you needed like a philosophy of ownership and shit like that. If you give a mouse a cookie, if you will. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Right. So, so I, I like, uh, I, I, I was very proud of this. And I said, at the root of all of it is philosophers, right? Interesting. But I've thought about that and I'm like, well, that's just patently untrue. It's, it, <laughs> it's not like commerce started because like a philosopher like, like cut the ribbon. <laughs> you know, like, like oh, we're done figuring out, you know, like why property is a right of man in the state of nature right. and why if a man combines his toil with nature it becomes property you know, yeah. like, we, we figured it all out now start making coins <laughs> right so like it, it's not it's not actually true um I mean, maybe in some cases, but sure. I mean, it's like you said, you gave the example of how fundamentally sure, maybe at the beginning. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I, I was listening to Radio Lab recently, and I definitely don't want to just like <laughs> copy and paste a Radio Lab segment here, but but it right. was a very cool illustration um, with uh, how philosophy interfaces directly with reality. I mean, philosophy is the most made fun of, I think, college major. I agree. You know, like, are you going to open a philosophy shop or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, there's like, uh, you know, the the ethical philosophy of utilitarianism, like, you know, the good of the, the good of the most amount of people, the most amount of good for the most amount of people. And um, there's this interesting, uh, a thing called the trolley problem. I don't know. You mm-hmm. ever heard of this? You know, like if you had to pull a switch, there were four people waiting on the tracks. They didn't see a train coming. And there's a lever that can like divert the train to another track and it kills one guy instead of four. Would you do it? And it's like, yeah, I mean, one person instead of four, absolutely. If there's, you know, no other options. But then they, it was like, okay, but what if like you were standing, you saw this and there was like, um, a guy next to you on the bridge and you knew if you pushed him off, it would like scatter the other four people, but that guy would get hit. <laughs> and people all were like, no, I wouldn't do oh that. That's ridiculous, God. right? Yeah. And so we know like neurocognitively that there's something that is averse to actually connecting physically. Sacrificing. Yes. But like pulling a lever is no problem. That's really interesting. There's like this, I've never heard the add-on. Yeah. I've heard of the trolley problem. There's like this neurologist uh, that does like all different permutations of this question. It's so interesting uh, like what affects the outcome of it for people. Like, uh, right. you know, if, if, if the guy was um, – next to you but like you had a stick and you could push him <laughs> over and people were like eh, I guess if I had a stick what if you tripped him instead <laughs> yeah. of pushing him yeah because like at a primitive level your brain's like it was the stick it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't me that uh, was a huge philosophical question among the advent of self-driving cars this is exactly it right so you deal with this philosophy John Stuart Mill who kind of borrowed it from Bentham and you know at the time ethics was very Aristotelian or or Kantian you know Kant, uh, um, 
I, I shouldn't say at the time. You know, the, the it's a it's a teleological question, which is the ends justify the means, versus a deontological question, which is like you know your um, um, motivations or, or your intention is more important. Interesting. Um, you know, uh, Kant wrote this thing on like a if uh, Nazis came to your house and you were like harboring Jews in your basement, would you lie to the Nazi to protect these people? And he's like, yes, you should lie because your intention should be to tell the truth. And so it's, you know, Interesting. it's one of these yeah, ridiculous. Right, right. But to me, that's, that's exactly where philosophy interfaces because now we've got these self-driving cars that are actually going to have to decide, should I swerve into one person yeah. or four? We have to program a computer yes. to tell it what decision to make. Exactly. And then now they're saying with like facial recognition, it could be like, well, this is an 88-year-old woman right. and she's already going to die versus yes. you know, two 88-year-old women or one kid. He looks very healthy. Yeah. What is the so, – how do we calculate <laughs> – a thing into a, an AI. You're right. Which is going to make real decisions, which is going to cost real lives. And so that's just like one really good example of that. And 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 so here's – I'm bringing it back now. You did it. I'm, I did it. Cosmology, uh, the question of why everything exists or where everything started is like this, this font from which we can draw so many answers from. Not only the big answers that we think of as we stare up into the stars, but as we acquaint ourselves more with who we are and where we came from and what is the stuff that we're made of, the better or more competent we will be to make decisions about how to be as humans. Okay. Um, and it's like never ending. And here's the cool thing is like light travels really fast and we can actually look up and see what happened. Like we can travel through time. So it's just like this free guide, like user's manual <laughs> up in the sky at all times. Star map. Yes. Yes. That's super interesting and very trippy. Like we're time traveling all the time, man. Uh, this, <laughs> this is the real problem that I, I, I've been dealing with is one of, is one of time is that, um, the why do we exist question uh, is by looking back and saying, okay, like if, if I were to ask 100 people how did the universe start, what are 99 of them going to say? The Big Bang. The Big Bang. And so then you say like, all right, well, what caused the Big Bang? And I think you get the Big Bang, right? It's just a bunch of, you know – particles <laughs> right. moving first there was love inward yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and i found that like um it is the sort of battle flag of like atheists and agnostics everywhere to be like it's science we know it was the big bang we know that particles are moving outwards at all times and that everything's expanding and entropy and, and the big bang but then like and eventually it's all gonna unbig bang right <laughs> and then be the big crunch and then we are seed <laughs> Uh, and this is what has happened for all time. Right. And like that is just not satisfying to me anymore because even if you put a deity in there, God, like who started that shit? Who right. like started, you know, started up that program? That was definitely, you know, you speaking to the big philosophical questions you had as a kid, you know, is good good and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was one of the biggest things I struggled with as yeah. a, a person who was raised in the Episcopal Church was like, right. but wait a minute, 
it just starts with in the beginning there was God. Like yes. that's bushel. It could right. be like Right. What was how, he doing? Yeah. I always think it was just standing there being like <laughs> tapping his fingers for like a trillion years. Yeah, he just popped in. Right. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Why did we all agree that that's where it started? Right. <laughs> yeah. Guess I should make some uh, little critters. <laughs> yeah. Well, first let me make some orbs. Yeah. Uh, right. I think they'd like to live on orbs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll make those the safe places, and then everywhere else in the universe is just a negative four hundred degrees <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> Uh, and even on Earth, I want to throw in some deserts because we're fucking caught in quicksand and some like jungles with some pumas. And then some the ice caps. <laughs> some idiots will go there. I'll catch them. I'll catch most of them. Sink in the snow and die. And waterfalls. Just so people's canoe trips go horribly. <laughs> Man, this is going to be good. <laughs> this, is, this, is net, this is as good as Netflix. Yeah, that's what I was literally about to say was. <laughs> I'll find out what that is. That soon. we're just like yeah. God's movie. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, it'll be even better is when they start uh, making experiences into little things that other people can watch. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good. Or uh, get a load of this one he says to like the other gods or whatever. <laughs> they, they, they're too comfortable now. So they they made these things called roller coasters <laughs> where they could simulate dying. <laughs> also, another thing, horror films. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. Put, they act out right. ways that could terrify them and <laughs> yeah. they watch them for enjoyment. Yeah. It's fascinating. I made a 0.05% chance that any of them would get slashed with a knife. <laughs> but they're so greedy that they want to see it. They want to just imagine what that would be like. <laughs> Isn't this a weird – I mean, it's such a – I just feel self-conscious talking about this because it just sounds like um, – it's the exact kind of conversation that like if I if I brought it up to my dad, he'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Like, take out the garbage. <laughs> you know, it's – so many people don't care or they, they think privately. And I'm not chastising them. I don't sure. think there's anything wrong with them. Or, uh, uh, alternatively, it can go back to not having the luxury of, uh, you know, these kinds of thought processes, uh, needing right. to think about more pressing issues. Or- I, do, I do not have that luxury, though, and I will tell you why. It is because I work in mental health, and I have worked in mental health for about a decade. And I have people... As as a psychiatric nurse, I have people ask me a lot, why should I keep living? Sure. Uh, what does it all mean? Is there any purpose? And I really wrestled with this because if I was in their position, I would want a satisfying answer. And I think a lot of these answers we give them, some of them can work, but they rest on the idea that like a bunch of other stuff is absolute. And, and what I mean by that is like, you want to be there. You don't want to do this to your family, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, like, I'm sure that's uh, right. Yeah. I don't have any family, right? Uh, you want to do this uh, because uh, life is worth it. And it's like, okay, well, like, I don't agree with that. So <laughs> it doesn't feel worth it. Yeah. And I would get these very intelligent people, and they would ask me this, and I would really want to be there for them in that way. And so I would think about this a lot. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I think I 
do have some more satisfying answers now because I've been able had the time to think about some of these things. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that that was kind of how this dovetailed, or at least why it was something that you find yourself digging into maybe a little more than the average person does. Yeah. Is, is from having to face those kinds of philosophical questions on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And um, so I guess it's it, it's a... It's, uh, Maybe important to say that we did this show together. We yeah. did uh, Sad Clown, which was awesome. Really loved it. Really great experience. Hope we get to bring it back. Me too. Um, and uh, um, we heard some people in that show. It was sort of a mental health comedy show. It's like a storytelling show about people's mental illness. And I think at a at a core of of a lot of those stories were one of those three questions, right? Like, what's going to happen to me? What should I do while I'm here? Or where did I come from? Uh, or, and a lot of those all at once. And I'm not saying I've unlocked <laughs> some sure. great truth. Yeah. But I think, you know, it, it, is, a, it is something that, that causes us to have a lot of pain, not knowing those answers. A lot of pain. Um, pain that can, like, be cumulative, that, like, some people can bury themselves under and not know a way out. Um, and especially I've worked geriatric psych most of my career and I'm dealing with older adults that have confronted me with a lot of, of questions. Uh, for instance, uh, patients with advanced dementia who their personality is completely gone. There's some of them speaking a language that they only knew until they were four years old and then they moved to the United States and like they can't speak English anymore. They're just speaking German. Jeez. You know, they don't know who their kids are. They don't, you know, and so going like, is this still a person? Is this still someone that is worthy of care and respect and dignity? Um, not saying I ever withheld any of those things, those sure. people, but like, right. you know, it brings up these. And, and then also people near the end of their lives and really like trying to hang on um, just to do the last bit of their lives has been really inspiring to me. Like you're 86 and you just want to beat this depression. And that's really interesting to me. Um, and it, it kind of feeds into a, a response that I will give sometimes to, to my patients who say like, uh, why should I keep living? Well, because it's such an unlikely, improbable thing to even be. Like you won the lottery. Yeah. By sparking into existence. <laughs> we got to see it through because you might not get another shot at this. And so um, you already did the the completely ridiculous thing, which is snapped into being. That's awesome. Don't cut it short now. And I remember a teenager, too, was like, well, what's wrong with committing suicide? That I'm just – then there's nothing wrong with that. And I was like, well – I mean, like, you play PlayStation? Yeah. All right, well, like, you ever been playing a game and then instead of finishing the game, you just, like, pick up a baseball bat and smash the PlayStation? You're like, I beat the game. <laughs> like, it doesn't really make sense. You didn't beat the game. The game is just over. The game is not there anymore. That's really funny. Like, you got to play the game through. That's a really funny analogy. So, yeah, I mean, that's... Why we get into things like dark matter and is time, you know, 
is time an illusion kind of questions that right it's amazing we're actually talking so much about cosmology without getting into any of that kind of stuff right it's this is really not about cosmology this is actually about um how i think based on cosmology based on like why we came into existence that we do ask these questions in the first place and we need to figure out how to talk about them in a way that's constructive and in a way that's not like flip. Yeah. Um, in a way that's just not like something you do when you watch Nova once every four years. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think about it all the time in terms of trying to raise kids, especially yeah. without a religious background mm-hmm. in the picture. It's like, I think that's probably why some people become more religious when they have a family. It's because it just helps them be like, you know what? Uh, yeah. All this stuff mostly answers your questions. So if you just want to listen to that right. instead. Yeah, it's it's comforting. And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of atheists that are like, I want their to be a god. I want that because it's like a lonely, untethered existence. It's 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 just very comforting to think that there's like uh, somebody in the sky like, you know, doing a checklist on you every morning, you right. know, or something. Um, right. But without that, we're faced with this horrible task of like cr- creating meaning. And I think some part of creating meaning requires, like, forgetting. You know, like, it, you, in order to be, like, the purpose of my life is to max out my Roth IRA. <laughs> right? Like, in order to right. do that, and, and again, I'm not saying that's bad. Right. But you have to also forget that, like, you are going to snap out of existence at some point or that, like, um, on the scale of the universe, like, if there's, like, a multiverse – than every grain of sand on the beach, the beaches on Lake Michigan are other universes. And so like um, getting that promotion or being recognized at the banquet is like so infinitesimally small of a thing. Right. We have to conveniently forget these things. Yeah. It's like a necessary fiction. Yeah. You can give the example of grains of sand Mm -hmm. on the beach being infinite amounts of other realities so how does that translate into the way that you think about cosmology Mm. is that true yeah um i i think that it is um when you look at scale of things right like um when you think about like um you know, the, this equation is always fun. I always kind of goof it up, but it's like eight or nine planets in our solar system, in our galaxy, a billion solar systems, in our galaxy cluster, a billion galaxies, in the known universe, a billion galaxy clusters. So it's like a billion times a billion times a billion times a billion times nine. <laughs> That's how many planets there are, right? right. And... um you also then like think about things like AI and right now we're trying to get computers to be as smart as humans, which like you look at some of the humans right now, like occupying our social <laughs> sphere and you're like, 
how are we not that smart yet? Right? Yeah, right. The singularity when robots become as smart as humans. It's like, okay, so what then? They're still going to like get divorced and piss in public and like get DUIs and like, you know, like. Think the world is flat. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, can right. you imagine like that's the great singularity is like these robots are like, if you go higher than SPF 30, it doesn't even do anything. <laughs> is true actually I don't know why I did that in a dumb person's voice um, so you know what I'm it's saying like the though? point stands yeah. of like someone who yeah. philosophically is like this is the greatest thought I'll yeah. ever have right and like think about these and measures. we can't make a robot smarter than that I think think again yeah, yeah. Mean, it's, this, it's this thing where like you can look at it from a lot of different ways like technology is obviously like exponentially increasing right now because like Machines are becoming smarter and helping us. Like it, it's a self-propelling thing. Like the better the technology gets, the better we're able to make technology that gets better. Sure. And um, then you have like, you know, th- then you're like, man, it, in ten years we're gonna have the thing from Back to the Future. <laughs> Rehydrate. You know, be Wally, and we'll all have a little pod that carries exactly. us around. Yeah. But then you stop and think, and you're like, okay, so like. What is being hailed as, like, grand technology right now? Like, the iPhone X? Yeah. Or, like, self-driving cars? Like, that's cool. At least accessible technology. Yeah. And it's like, what about the unfathomable? Like, technology to, like, replicate food from helium. Right. You know, or stuff like that. Uh, I mean, we're not even at near Star Trek level. And then you think about, like... (laughs) Yeah, truly, (laughs) yesterday my fiancé said, talk to me about... Uh, technology when I can 3D print a Wendy's hamburger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's literally what but he said. That's kind of the interesting thing. In Star Trek, they have this replicator, right, uh, where you just be like, uh, grape soda, and it just gives it to you. Yeah. And so it messes with the whole idea of commerce because uh-huh. then you're like, well, I could just be like gold bullion, and like yeah. everybody can do that. That's part of it, yeah. And that's, that's what, why they that's start why flying they out on ships. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Federation doesn't need currency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Right now, we're like, well, you know, the kind of technology we got. We have Alexa. Right, right. Plan your, you know, map. You still use MapQuest. You (laughs) MapQuest direction. Um, And also keep track of all of it to send back to corporations. There's this horrifying thing of like uh, the commercials are like, hey, Alexa, um, order me a new stereo system. It's like stereo will be delivered in two days. I'm like, do I want? that power to be driven through like my voice right you know? right yeah no more thought should go into this process <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you think of the stuff you actually buy from amazon you're like alexa i want book three of five <laughs> of hardcover Dun- mifflin i want it's it's got kind of a gold lace on it <laughs> that book <laughs> sending right. you t-shirt yeah um, <laughs> right uh, but but then you look at like interstellar travel, um, like we got to the moon. All right, well the moon is like it's the closest thing we could have got to. Closest thing. There's nothing there. Yeah. Um, there's nothing. Um, we got there. We were there for like four minutes. Uh, I am the biggest asshole in the world right now. Shitting on the moon landing. I love it. I'm not – it was obviously a technological marvel. But the point stands that that's the greatest thing we've 
we've done. Yeah. Right? And so then, like, the next closest star is Proxima Centauri or whatever. And it's like, yeah, in order to get there, we'd have to, like, freeze five humans. And then they'd have to travel at the speed of light for 5,000 years. Yeah. What? So right. first we got to get the speed of light. And then we got to keep people frozen for 5,000 years. And people are like, hmm, maybe next year you can do that with Alexa. <laughs> Alexa's going to do it. And, and Elon Musk. Right? So, right. 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 So He's I, still trying to get us from New York to San Francisco. Um, like. Yeah. <laughs> by, by, by what is essentially a glorified spitball. Yeah. It just like blows you through a tube. Yeah. Uh, so, so all I'm saying is though that like, you know, I do believe that like through scientific processes, everything is – conceptually discoverable. You know, like um, right now we don't know why like electrons act the way they do. You've ever heard about the two-slit theory? I have. That is the closest I know to like crazy shit. Yeah. That is like the thing in science where I'm like, whoa, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Like the the particles know they're being observed. Yeah. And they like split. Um, or they go one direction or the other based on if they're being observed. And this is down to like they secretly turn the sensors off and that, you know. And so, you know, it's just wild. Um, and we, we, we know nothing. Like we, we haven't even approached the event horizon of knowing anything about yeah, that. Yeah, I almost mentioned this earlier is, is for me, especially having a background in chemistry, uh, when I think about – the universe it's almost too hard because i go like wait 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 no 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 but we don't even understand like table right we don't even have yes. table down yes. <laughs> we, the 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 molecules in here and quarks and everything right. in here we not we're not even sure about all that stuff oh, yet it's so, so how can we possibly yeah. fathom the whole picture right. when we can't even get water or chair or right. you know and and even goes back to that you are a miracle like you mm. your existence mm. is one in x large number right but also water is a miracle right it is its existence and the things it can do on paper don't fucking make sense yes yeah and so okay so right there is 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 sort of my um, own personal wonky theory about studying cosmology is that things are are in my mind on any given day are either amazing, unfathomable, beautiful, elegant, perfect, mind blowing, or they're like the stupidest shit I've ever thought of. <laughs> and I think cosmology gives you a chance to like keep going back and forth between those two um, pers perspectives. And that disorientation is going to keep me occupied until I die. Cause I don't actually believe that we will, we are close to knowing anything and so it's like at this point it's like this riddle that you just like spend your whole life trying to figure out and at the end you're like 
well, my, my, my liver is tired of like <laughs> doing anything. So I'm just done. I'm right. done. I'm right. done. My heart's just <laughs> dust, dusty. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit anymore. Just shoot me to the next plane of existence. Right. Right. Yeah. Everything in here is gone. And that whole back and forth was all it was. <laughs> right. Well, and that, that's really all it was because it, I mean, I think about it all the time. Um, people are like, um, nature. Like, uh, you know, are you a nature person? Sure. You're right. Okay. So, so I, I have this problem where like people are like, just look at, look at the tree. Right. And I'm like, uh, all right. I, I'm definitely not that person. Okay. Okay. This like, this tree is connected to, uh, the yeah. roots and they're all connected. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I, I get, it, get it, but right? it's not me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, even like art, um, anything that just like depicts reality, I, even though I intellectually understand its value, I cannot help but look at it and be like, okay, this is like a picture of a guy on a rock and right. he's next to a tree. Uh, they're like, no, but you don't understand the context. I'm like, I, I know. I know. It's right. great. It doesn't do anything to me. Right. But the things that do do things to me are like abstract art that start getting like pawing at concepts. Uh-huh. And I'm like, shit, this is unknowable. I, I can feel the outline of like what this is getting at, but I can't articulate it, and oh, I don't think really it's articulatable. Yeah, and then I like to think about that. That's a fascinating analogy that the that anything abstract is inherently more interesting mm, to me. To to me, it's always been like the unknowableness of it mm-hmm. that makes it more interesting. Whereas some might prefer like a more a little bit of a puzzle where you have to unlock it and it's tough. And then some people, obviously, just want it to be presented to them. This is right. what it is. And, 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 and all three of those are okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I like the unknowable. You're not the, so with that, do you feel like you have one cosmological theory that you align with the most? I'll tell you what I was kicking around until that too became unsatisfying to me, which okay. is, um, uh, nothingness is inherently unstable, right? Um, so eventually, nothingness has to become somethingness. Okay. okay? Um, and uh, we keep looking for a, a, a time in which nothing became something. Because even the Big Bang could be the four billionth Big Bang, sure. right? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I always think about, like, where did it all start? Okay, there's this, like, unstable field of nothingness, right? But but it, it, that easily – you step back from that and go, like, okay, but, like, who created the field or the rule in which nothingness is unstable, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Where did entropy begin? Right. What was zero exactly. for entropy? And then there's this new kind of crap. Uh, it's not crap, but but it's it's unsatisfying where it's like – well, you're thinking of it from a linear time model, mm. and time is a dimension, just like anything else. That's and, certainly the most popular yes. thing where this is concerned. I mean, you mentioned multiverses earlier. Right. I feel like that that's a thing everyone's loving to explore right now, for sure. So so it's, it's you know, and then also there's a question of like, okay, well, who like flicked their finger and started that wheel spinning? That right. like 
time is a flat circle or whatever, you know? Right, right, And right. so... Um, <laughs> yeah, pick a Matthew McConaughey thing, because he also <laughs> did the gravity in... Gravity is the fourth dimension, interstellar, everything is... Yeah. We're even back to contact. Jody Foster's <laughs> on the panel. He's like, you believe in God? Like, what? NASA, like, space panel would have allowed some wahoo to sit down and be like, yeah, just one more question. Uh, <laughs> do you believe in God? <laughs> and then like she was like, no, I do not. And it's like everyone was like, oh my, you know, like the 90s. Yeah. Still, you know? But it's also Contact and Interstellar are all still just like stories about dads. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We still can't yeah. zoom out enough that we yeah. can get past just a dad. Oh, oh my God. I know. Do you know. know what is amazing? I was stuck behind a freight train like six days ago. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, it was a great scene is when Jodie Foster lands on that crazy planet. You know, I have such, like, nostalgia about contact. You uh-huh. know? And I was like, oh, you know, nowadays you could look up literally any scene in any movie on sure. YouTube in a second. So I just type in Jodie Foster, dad beach contact. <laughs> and I'm re-watching this scene and I'm like, man, did this movie shit the bed. Like, <laughs> she finally goes through this wormhole and the guy comes up to her and is like, hey, sport. And right. And immediately she goes, Dad, he goes, nah, we just thought that this would make you feel more comfortable. It's, <laughs> it's like, what? It's so condescending. It's <laughs> unfathomable. Yeah, it's so odd that that's – so many movies just come back to a relationship with someone's dad. Yes. <laughs> and maybe it says something about the people who write movies. I don't know. But yeah. like – Man, fucking Star Wars is just about dads. Like, yeah. everything is about dads. Yes. And I guess, though, in a way, this is the God problem. If you really want to give a stretch is to say that, you know, going back to the beginning is is the ultimate problem. It's like this relationship with the the potter, you know, the father, the, the, the source of me. Because you come – from your dad right, sure. <laughs> right. before you even go into your mom and so it's like you want it's really going back to your dad's balls <laughs> everyone's favorite thought yeah. <laughs> was it the um I forgot a uh, Pat Oswalt show where he's like uh he's like this problem with the first Star Wars movies was like I don't Darth Vader is the coolest shit ever. I yeah. don't want to see where that cool shit came from. Yeah. It's like, I want to look at Angelina Jolie. I don't want to look at John Boyd's balls. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So here's here's my thing right now. Mm-hmm. And this is not any sort of cosmological solution or, or any theory. That's It's not even the solution to the problem, but it's like a little piece of this that I'm focusing on right now is that the Flatlander – story about like um it's a it's a species of people that can only see in two dimensions so they see like length and width or whatever cool and uh they are like looking out at the horizon every day and they see like this color appear and then it goes away and then it comes up again and then it doesn't make a lot of sense and so all the scientists are like well you know, at this time of day, it's got an 11% chance of being red or, you know, it's got uh, – at this time of day, it's got a 17% chance of there being no light. Um, and then uh, a human comes to the Flatlander world and is like, oh, you're like staring at a at a pool table. Like you're just seeing the balls like fly across it, but they can't see depth or whatever, you know? Okay. 
And so the idea is, is that we are very limited. This weird stuff that happens in quantum physics is so weird to us because there's this these other de- dimensions of perception that we are not privy to. That's super interesting. And so to those people that can see that, they're just like – yeah, the electron yeah. does that because it goes through luth, which right. is not length, height, or width. You know, right? That's you know? really funny. Yeah, um, right. And right. so, what is? Yeah, like? well, duh. Table is table because right. exactly. electrons. Exactly. Yeah, right. And so, right. And so, time. That's a really, really interesting way to look at it. Time is a funny dimension, and I think I w- I've been thinking about this recently. It's like we're distrustful of time because we cannot freely move through it. But suppose this is. I think one of the reasons I love philosophy is because like you could run whole conversations on metaphor or like analogies and I love doing that. Mm-hmm. And and I was trying to think of an analogy about like what could be a creature that freely moves through time but cannot move it through space. So I thought of like – it's not a perfect analogy because there's some problems with it. But like you have like a little – being that lives in a in a in a house like a little house and that's all that it can be in its whole life is that house right and it can it has like a little wheel or maybe it's a function of their own body that they can go forward and backwards in time so they're like oh i'm hungry i'm going to go back to breakfast and eat breakfast <laughs> or like uh i'm really tired i don't want to be tired i'm going to fast forward to morning and moving through time is as easy for that creature as we to move through this very room Right. And then you you ask the creature, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it gets like food deliveries or like stuff come in little slots. And so it knows that there's space out there. Okay. But it can't, can't fathom detect it. what it is. Yeah. And I think that's how we feel about time. We're like, we know that things happen in sequence, but we can't go backwards or forwards in time. And so we're distrustful of it. Right. But if there was a creature like the like Slaughterhouse Five, Traffle Midorians, or whatever, that could just like time is like a mosaic, and you just pop into whatever point in time you want, we would see time as no more or less interesting as width or height. Mm-hmm. It's just like a dimension, an axis by which we move through, right? Mm-hmm. And remember, what what makes an axis an axis is that you can change a the the number on on any axis and it does not necessarily affect the other the number on the other axes. Mm. So you can independently go up on the x axis without changing your place on the y axis. So if we had a time axis like that, it would not be interesting to us at all. And so we sit here and we rack our brains as humans for our whole lives being like and some of these are like romantic thoughts like uh, the greatest tragedy is that time only moves forward and not back. Or like I would give a, th- a million tomorrows for one yesterday, right? To the very scientific questions of just like what is this shit? Like what is time? <laughs> right. You know, and then we could be visited by a being that's like you don't know what time is. Like yeah. time is just that way or whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, he just whips out a thing that uh, yeah shows you exactly like a Rosetta Stone of this stuff, right? And he's like, you're you're wondering like what started? Like you still use the word started? Like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, right? Right? Um, and just blows our mind. And so I take a little bit of comfort in the fact though that like 
some of these unanswerable questions, like if you rotate the prism of knowledge just like a degree, it would be like so simple. That is really funny. It makes a lot of sense. It, it, it makes a lot of sense in that it, it and doesn't. That, <laughs> in that we cannot fathom that happening. Right. In that we will maybe never as a human right. species uh, tap into whatever that time yeah. dimension is. Yeah. But, I mean, did you see the movie Arrival? Oh, That's yeah. kind of the whole thing. Right. And I thought it was fucking awesome. Like, it was incredible. It's an absolutely incredible movie. Yes. It, for what for how it it unpacks that as a, a concept and everything. Yeah, and to think that there is like a dimension or what is it now like something like 22 dimensions or something like that the only reason we can't access them is because just our brain cannot perceive them. Right. Uh it's like that the 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 dot in the middle of the circle drawn on the sheet of paper. It's like how do I get out of here? It's like well, you just go over the circle and it's like what's up? I can't go up, you know. Um, and, and could it be that one day we like say, whoa, I have like all these options around me that I just couldn't ever see. Yeah. Like, cause I saw time as like something separate from space. Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Shit. Is someone going to come and teach us their language and then it changes the whole way we look at the world? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Noam Chomsky. That's who it's going to be. I do. I will say uh, one of my favorite things I ever heard. I don't know if this is apocryphal actually because I heard it in high school and that was like before Wikipedia. But like, sure. <laughs> Wikipedia is like the source of. It'd be all in all. I should right, say right. it's like the source of instant confirmation of the internet. Sure. Sure. Uh, was that like MIT held a time travel conference? You ever heard this? No. And then they like made a stage and then they were like, uh, on day three of the conference, Somebody's gonna we are going to welcome our visitor from the future. And then they had like a countdown and everything, three, two, one, and nothing happened, of course. Of course. But I mean, my God, if I, I want that to be I, true, if I am a future person <laughs> that Time travel becomes available. I'm going like, to satisfy back. all of those dorks. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I feel like you have to. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's God. so funny, though, because it's like the greatest minds of our time or whatever are supposed to be studying at these incredible institutes and bringing all their knowledge together. And is that really something that we would find ourselves settling into? Yeah. I guess. I. I it could be. It is sort of troubling, right? Like the uh, NASA is yeah. is defunded. Oh, absolutely! It, it's it's yeah. It, what are we? What's why shouldn't we always be trying to yeah. figure out what's out there? Yeah, I. It's sad because um, like that. That type of thinking, I mean, I, I don't know. I saw this documentary one time uh, about light pollution mm -hmm. and about how, like, um, kids in major urban areas are not able to see stars, and it has actual psychological effects on them. I mean, uh, in the middle of Manhattan, you might see, like, a star a month, and what does that do to you? I mean, think of like dystopian movies. Think of like Blade Runner. The sky is always smog covered, right? And people are stuck. They're at a stasis because like there's nothing but the horrible now. And to have this idea that there is this like agency that 
despite all the bullshit going on in the world, they're still reaching for the beyond. I think that does positive things to like the psyche of a of a population. I mean, look at what the moon landing did. Even though we <laughs> scoffed, right, right, it's right. still. It was unfathomable before then, right. you know? And then it was fathomable because we did it. Right. Because someone said we were going to do it. Right. And then a bunch of people put their, a bunch of freaking geniuses put right. their mind to it. And and then everyone who watched it happen was like, holy shit, anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that does things to people. I mean, what what do you do? Like- I, I mean, uh, SpaceX, it's a good thing. Um, I think Elon Musk is, like, a guy that is a good guy to be behind that and mm-hmm. uh, a true, like, person that's like, let's move things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but when your government doesn't – and a lot of it was, like, Cold War <laughs> propaganda bullshit. But, like, when you cannot – stretch beyond like that. I mean, that is when we talk about magic as adults, like that's the magic is being able to believe that we are part of something, that we are part of the whole thing, Mm -hmm. that we're not just like some little spherical space shuttle twirling around the sun Mm -hmm. that has no access to anything else, let alone all the practical implications that are going to come from like global warming of like we need to be on Mars like next Thursday. Sure, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> Is there anything specifically that you know you'd be remiss to not bring into the conversation? Um, I think I think really, you know, to I just want to connect back to to what I said earlier about wherever all this came from as being the source um, for so much of the questions that we have in our lives. And in my life, um, and I I think that a lot of people don't talk about this because it's part of our sort of liars poker or <laughs> bluffing about what it is to be an adult. But like, I think adulthood has a lot of loneliness in it. And, uh, um, it's how we figure out how to deal with that loneliness that determines in a lot of ways how successful we, we are as adults and, uh, how we can continue to, to be living and, uh, and living well. And um, it's trite, but we are the result of, a, of an explosion, the greatest <laughs> explosion that ever happened. And somehow we all flung, all our little parts that now comprise us, like flung and stuck here. And um, there's a lot of jealousy and envy and uh, wishing that we were someone else or wishing that we were better or wishing that we had things that we didn't. And it can cause a lot of isolation and can cause a lot of loneliness. But like, I just think always remembering that you came from a literal explosion uh, is a good reminder of how messy and difficult life is. So if you've made it, 
that should be reason enough to keep going to see what happens. <laughs> so we're all the we're all just shrapnel. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like redecorating a house by throwing a grenade into it. <laughs> and somehow we've made like a pretty nice house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I just want to end on grenade. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I think it's it's so true and I love the idea that <laughs> it's like we got this far and and that in and of itself should never not be considered an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we, you know like time is a blip. It's like, all right, well then go to prison, do your 10 years, don't kill yourself. <laughs> And then afterwards, you know, you see what else Figure happens. Out what's what the other side is. Right. And it can't be worse can... than blowing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do you think all of this your interest in cosmology and everything in between, the stuff that ties that to, you know, your mental health work and, and all of these uh everything we've talked about in the last mm-hmm. hour fifteen. How do you think all of that feeds into your life creatively mm. and your the big picture of your life as a person? I know that's uh, we've spent real estate on it, but uh, yeah, I dig log it. line. So, um, I when I was living, I lived out in New York briefly before I came back to Chicago. And it was just a real failure. Uh, Honestly, I was there a couple of weeks ago. I don't see how anyone lives there. Yeah, it's, it's just like an impossible uh, city. How hard is it just pee in a toilet? Like, why does the whole city <laughs> smell like someone just peed like everywhere but the toilet? Um, no. So I, while I was there, though, I did um, for a while. I when I lived in Baltimore, I was so hungry, comedy wise that I would drive up every Sunday to take class at Magnet. I would drive four hours there and four hours wow. back every Sunday. Jesus and I did this for a year. Fuck. Yeah. And so I got to um, study with some great teachers, though, up there. And um, uh, one, of, one of my teachers, it was like a level one class for advanced improvisers. It was taught by Armando Diaz. Heard uh, of him. Yeah. So... The Armando, it's him. Although in his class, he would be like, we're now going to work on the deconstructed monologue. That's what Ah. he would call it. Um, (laughs) Good for him, though, that he's not throwing around. We're going to work on the me. Yeah. And one of the things he would talk about, and and I think why the Armando is like in a lot of improv schools, like what's the first like uh, format you learn? It's like the Herald or, you know, I don't know. Like a montage. Tag out. Montage, whatever. Yeah, tags and sweeps. And Magnet, they build it around the Armando, which is, you know, telling stories and then from those stories creating improv, which is the format that we do for Sad Clown. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really cool at the end. uh, we got to kind of ask ask questions to him, and and every day, every time we had those sessions, it was really interesting and, and really ch- uh, changed a lot of uh, n- not only your improv play, but like how it fits in your life and what it means to you. And uh, you know, one person brought up the question of like, what do you do when you're stuck? You know, you hmm. keep like, what class should I take? Like, what kind of, should I go to this school? Maybe I need an acting class. And like, as we know in the Chicago comedy scene, like that is the MO of so many people is like, I need to just keep getting the right tools. I'm like Rambo. I've got to get like the right knife and rocket launcher and like machine, you know, and we got to get 
everything ready. And it's like, ready for what? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And he said, you know, if you're stuck, what I would recommend is that you quit doing improv for a while and go live your life. Yeah. Um, He's like, because the more experiences you have and the more things you think about, the more that you are going to be able to bring with you onto the stage. And so I find this happens like very often is on stage, uh, I may be presented with a, uh, an improv type problem, right? Like the bathtub's clogged. Right. And then because my brain is so rehearsed at doing this sort of reductive thinking, I get to some really interesting places where I'll be like, okay, but like, why do we wash ourselves? (laughs) Right. Um, or, or why do, you know, so the bathtub's clogged again, Mark. And I'm like, why are, why do we love each other? Right. And and like coming back with that kind of content, I think is like creates some really interesting, surprising comedy. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Rather than, uh, I don't know, let me get my wrench. Right, then, right. You always get your wrench. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Mark Sutton sat in on a class where I took an annoyance once, and he was like, it, no one cares if you actually change the tire by right. the end of the scene. Right. And it blew my fucking right. mind. Yeah. I've obviously never forgotten it. Yeah. The scene isn't fucking about unclogging the tub Not or at changing all. the tire. Not at all. And then... You know, it's sometimes funny, though, because it does kind of backfire sometimes, especially if you have, like, a less experienced improviser. I remember I was doing, like, the mixer at Annoyance one time, and um, because Bryson, Mm -hmm. his mutual friend, he was Past guest of the show. Talked about France because, of course, he did. Very, very (laughs) promising improviser. And he he was like, yeah, why don't you do it? And so, you know, you have this weird thing when you have, like, novice improvisers where you don't want to be, like showing off but you also want to like be a good role model for them sure and i forgot what the scene was but uh you know someone came on the stage and was like oh we gotta get away from the cops and i was just i said something like um we put a lot of trust in barbers you know and 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 one of these sort of like reductive and the the other improviser just like froze because yeah. they're like, does he, did he hear me? Or right, like, does he right. care? Is he being abusive to me? Yeah. Um, but I think when well honed, these sorts of questions being introduced into art is actually what's going to like create new stuff in, in art. If we just have a bunch of artists or, or in our case, a bunch of comedians doing comedy, only bringing like comedy type thinking into it, it's going to get, it's going to be stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so all of that to say that your uh, mental gymnastics inform <laughs> the uh, comedic gymnastics. Well, when you put it like that, I sound like a real piece of shit. I, I put it like that. You didn't put it like that. I did. So, I guess that makes I think so. me the piece of shit. <laughs> yes, I think. I think it is. I think that getting your brain to think about other things besides your Roth IRA is going to really make for great comedy. 
I mean, the the good news is I don't have a, a Roth IRA yet, so that really works out for me. So like <laughs> that real estate isn't taken up. Oh but yeah. But it's ta- But now it's just taken up with real estate of like, should I have a Roth IRA? Right. Or or, or as I like to say, who who's Roth? Like, why does <laughs> yeah. he manage? I I like to think it's like one yeah. guy. <laughs> why do we give so much weight to this one Irish group? <laughs> <laughs> by uh, by all reports, pretty damaging <laughs> army. Yeah, uh, that's that's me. I know more about Irish history than I do about <laughs> finances, and I'm sure that will serve me throughout the rest yeah. of my life. It's just one family of Irish people that like, manage <laughs> all this money. Like, Give it to us. The Roths will never let you. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this, Matt. It's been a joy, and it's going to definitely have me thinking about a bunch of these conversations and processes for a while. Uh, You're welcome. I'm glad we both agree that everything is incredible and uh, stupid. (laughs) We'll keep oscillating. (laughs) Forever. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love you, and I mean that, man. Thanks. You too. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.